The Nerdbook Review is happy to welcome author Devin Madsen, the Aurealis Award-winning author of In Shadows We Fall, the author of the Vengeance Trilogy, and the book that we're going to talk a little bit more about, We Ride the Storm, which is entered into this year's Spiffo competition. After that long intro, how are you tonight? Today for you, sorry. Yeah, today for me, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. I enjoyed reading your book, and uh, I have heard quite a bit uh, of uh, interest in it so far with quite a few of the blogs that, that I like to follow. Yeah, it it, um, it it was a bit of a surprise actually because I uh, uh, when I when it came out I was like okay I, I want to try to get this reviewed by all of these places that I like like you like to to read and and admire their reviews and I was quite shocked by how many of them actually were really keen to take it on I think it's the cover art really not not me the cover all the cover <laughs> it is a, uh, an awesome <laughs> cover though. Yeah, it, well, when you get John Anthony DiGiovanni to do your covers, I think you um, kind of just onto a winner automatically. So that that was okay. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I, I was really, I was really quite taken aback and and really uh, happy with the the response to people who are interested in reading it. Given that I'm uh, nobody, <laughs> so that was great. Awesome. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? I can hear that Australian accent there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Some people don't think I have an Australian accent, but I think it, it, it creeps through all the time. Um, yeah, well, uh, well, I'm Australian. Uh, I have lived here all my life. Uh, I am a mother of three children, and I write obsessively all the time, and I have done since I was seven. I wanted to be an author and illustrator at that age, and then discovered that I could not draw. <laughs> so, author it was all the way. Uh, and it's always been uh, fantasy and always been a bit grim. You know, I've never written a happy story. I think the very first book that I ever wrote, actually, uh, my mom kept it. And it was when I was seven. And uh, it was about a Christmas tree that gets chopped down and laughed at and ultimately dies. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a little dark for a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a great brain. <laughs> So, yeah, you, you mentioned that your writing style is a little bit more towards that uh, grim, dark style. But, you know, I didn't find your writing oppressive by any means, though. I, I certainly enjoyed the, the, um, all of your characters, and the, I just felt like you had a, a lot of realism within it. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the whole grim, dark debate I find really, really interesting because people uh seem to think that for for so some people say well okay it just needs to be violent and and kind of dark um whereas i've always thought that it it kind of also has to be uh, a world in which uh you're you can fight as hard as you want but you're never going to achieve your ends does that make sense like it, yeah. you you can't really affect the oppressiveness of the world that you live in and and that is something that i i don't really uh, subscribe to in my own writing. I, I like for my characters to be able to uh, thoroughly affect the world around them, whether in a good or a bad way, with all of their actions. Um, and I also don't uh, like writing worlds that are really dark and ugly on their own. I, I prefer to have the uh, the beauty of, of a setting to uh, juxtapose against the really uh, awful, brutal stuff that my characters sometimes have to do. Yeah. That, you know, 
I don't necessarily know that when I was reading your uh, the book that I saw necessarily some of the grimdark influence that that I um, had read in so many of your reviews. But the way that you describe the world in We Ride the Wind is, I mean, that is that's a great description of the world and the way your characters are. I know that wasn't like an actual synopsis, but I think that for anyone yeah. <laughs> who's looking at reading uh, We Ride the Wind, that is a great way to describe how storm. the world exists. Your characters. We ride the storm. Oh, did I? What did I say? Wind. You said rewrite the wind. Oh man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I haven't. Ah, <laughs> you're right. I don't know where I got that. Uh, rewrite the wind. But yeah, but the that your description right there of we ride the storm. There we are. Is uh, it, yeah. that fits so well with what I read. Um, your characters, they do a lot of things. They kill a lot of people, but they are struggling to do something larger in their world and in some in most cases to make their world better. Yes, and I, I think that that's where I like to, to, to differentiate from what I've always considered the general understanding of, of dark. You know, I, I, I like to think I kind of sit on the fence in that it's 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 still epic fantasy in in that they are doing a bigger a, a bigger thing and struggling, but uh, you know, there is definitely some darkness but that's just the weird brain that kills christmas trees <laughs> there you are so you mentioned that you started writing when you were only seven years old um who were some of your influences when you were growing up um uh, i i think well my first fantasy influence like thinking of it i mean a lot of kids books are fantasy anyhow mm-hmm. uh, but my first you know adult fantasy influence uh was david eddings um i read the Belgariad when i was probably 16 um and ripped through all of those uh, i'm not sure that they would hold up to a reread so i haven't gone back uh and I, i'm just going to treasure my, my my golden memories of how fantastic <laughs> they were while being quite sure that uh, maybe uh they haven't dated very well um, <laughs> uh so def- definitely definitely i i uh, ascribe my uh my love of fantasy or rediscovering my love of fantasy to uh those books um, you know, I was also a big Harry Potter fan, uh, but later, weirdly, even though I am, I am the, the right age that I, I should have gotten my Hogwarts letter right when the first book came out, uh, I actually didn't start reading them until I was in university. Um, for I, I, I refused to. I was like, oh no, I, I am, I'm too grown up for this stuff. <laughs> and I had to do it for a, uh, for a university course I took on, um, uh, children's fantasy literature and I'm like oh gosh it's on the reading list okay all right uh, and I read the first one and I I, I I hate read it all the way through uh, complaining to my mother constantly about all the awful things in it and then as soon as I finished I picked up the second book um, and and I read all the way through and then I made my mum read them all and <laughs> so that went down really well um, yeah I'm now kind of just rambling off here but uh, uh, I've also read a lot of um, I was a really big fan of Georgette Heyer growing up, and that's not fantasy at all. Uh, you know, that's she's a uh, Regency romances, but and I'm not a big fan of Regency romance other than her books. I think it's something about ca- her characters. Um, I've never been able to find another set of Regency romances I actually enjoyed. Um, so, but she has a way of building characters that I just and 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 humor in characters that I just admired so much that I could read those over and over. And Terry Pratchett, oh Terry Pratchett. Bow, bow to the god of Terry Pratchett. Um, he, I read, I read all of his uh, books many, many times uh, growing up as well. So I'm a bit of a rereader. So my list of my list of books that I've read is a lot shorter than most people because I read each one about six times. 
There you are. I know my uh, my series that I've read six times now is The Wheel of Time, and but it was all when I was younger, and I, right now I'm going through uh, re and actually listening to them on audiobook during work, and I have been I was always so scared that they were g- never going to hold up to what I had thought, but I'm just going to say that in my opinion the first uh, the Eye of the World is going to be my favorite uh, that fantasy novel till the day I die. I actually have been surprised with how well they have held up in my mind or for me now. Oh, that's wonderful. That gives me hope. Maybe maybe I should maybe, try. Maybe oh, no, I'm still too scared. I'm still too scared. Yeah, well, it's been years since I, I've read the first ones because I was scared that they weren't going to hold up, and I've just been so excited about them. And I've got a group of a couple of buddies of mine that um, we were fraternity brothers in college, and we're still really good friends uh, 15 years later, and they all read them as well, and, and they're going through them again, and we're all having a, actually a pretty good time being able to talk with each other about what we remember and what we, you know, what we don't remember correctly and things like that. It really thing. Yeah. So do you have any authors that, that you think that um, you would compare your writing style to? Um, you know, I, I'm not even 100% sure what my writing style is. I just do it. Um, <laughs> that, that's... That's a really difficult question. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really am not sure how to answer that one because I, I, I don't, um, I don't read a lot of authors that I would say write like me. Most of the authors I read are a lot more descriptive uh, in in the way they 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 tell the story and the world uh, around them, uh, whereas. I, I like to keep things really quite um, uh, brief and kind of skeletal, I suppose. You know, I don't, I don't go in for very uh, long descriptions of things, so I actually have no idea. If there's, <laughs> I, there must be somebody who writes like me, but I, I'm not currently reading it, and so I really don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's go ahead. Uh, what I really would like to, to talk like in detail about is the, uh, a little bit more is like the re- We Ride the Storm. I'm going to say that right at least most of the times from here on out, I promise. Yep. But, um, yep. you have, <laughs> but you have the, uh, the book that um, In Shadows We Fall. Was that a standalone? Um, it, they're all in the same world. Oh, okay. Oh, excuse me. Um, yeah, every, every, um, every book I've written is all in the same world. Uh, um, in Shadows We Fall is the very first currently in the timeline. Uh, it comes about 16 years before the start of the Vengeance trilogy, which is about 16 years before the start of We Ride the Storm. So you can read you can read it as a standalone. It works entirely on its own. You don't have to read them in any particular order. Um, so while I am building a uh, entire universe with my books, I try to make sure that any first book is an appropriate place to enter that world. So you could start at In Shadows Before, you can start at uh, The Blood of Whispers, or you could start at We Ride the Storm, and it doesn't really matter. They all uh, feed each other in, in different ways. Okay. Is the Vengeance Trilogy set in um, where the, uh, the horse people are, or is it set in the uh, Empire? Yeah, it's uh, in Kesia. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the main empire where everything is uh, taking place in uh, We Ride the Storm. Yep. Okay. Has any of have any of your books set um, taken place in the the land where the um, the horse riders are? Uh, no, that, that is the next uh, series that I am planning to uh, self publish. Will be over 
over there um, and will take place after the end, end of uh, uh, the Reborn Empire. Okay. Um, and I've also got a set that I've started that I've jumped across the other side of the world like 500 years in advance and I'm uh, starting a, a web serial later in the year that will be about another uh, 500 years uh, further in a different spot as well. Oh wow, you have quite the uh, expansive world then in this that, that you're just oh, yeah. writing in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's pretty big. I need to do uh, like a like an infographic that has like the timeline and, and where everything is. <laughs> I, I don't know how I'll do that but you know, I, keep it in order somehow. There you are. You need to, to get it on your, your website. I've seen a, a couple of websites where I've actually read the books because of how much I enjoyed the website. And I know that kind of sounds ridiculous, yep. but um, actually, <laughs> one of the, another author, though, who, who does that really well and has like the whole world thing is uh, um, Amanda Suver Justice. She's her AM Justice. Her book's actually in this competition this year as well. And her, I actually read the book because of the website. That's awesome. So, <laughs> I hope you told her that. That sounds that's great. Yeah, I, I did when we um, did the when I did an interview with her last year. Actually, in the, before the competition, I, I did it. Uh, so I guess it would have been when last year's was going on. And yeah, the reason mm-hmm. I looked at the book was because of that in the first place. So uh, there you are. You could just uh, throw it all up there and keep your timelines going straight and all that good fun stuff. Yeah, would be good. So, um, this is completely random and out of place, but um, you did mention that you have three kids. Have you ever read the Redwall series by any chance? Oh, I have. I actually read them when I was younger. There you go. I should have listed those earlier. I, I read, um, oh, let's see. I probably would have read probably like 20 before I, you know, kind of did too old for this now yeah um yeah yeah (laughs) i know i was the same way but i have bought the first three and as soon as my son is old enough to uh have the attention span to get into those i am super excited to get him started on those that was my like very first series and i remember just the, the the first time of just how much I loved that entire series as a child, and I'm super excited to to go back and and start that again with my son. Well, you know, I'm glad you've mentioned it because I, I mean I've been reading uh, Harry Potter to my eight year old, and I'm thinking, well, if she can if she can sit and understand through like the fifth Harry Potter book, then I, she's she's probably good for Redwall. Well, if yeah, you, if uh, if she does end up enjoying it, uh, you'll have to let me know. I uh, my son, yeah. <laughs> he's still only about three and a half now, so he's he's a few years away probably from from being okay with it. But when he is, I have the books ready. Oh, <laughs> all ready to go, son. I don't care if you don't like these. We're going to be reading them. <laughs> I know. You know that is the thing. It's my wife and I both would describe ourselves as nerds. If if my son isn't. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Like that's my, my that's my fear. It's like, oh, what if my son doesn't like mm-hmm. to read and doesn't isn't into fantasy novels? I don't know what I'm going to do then. Oh, you just got to start them early. You know, like I think um, uh, my two girls, the youngest was two, I think, when she saw her first Star Wars movie. So you just got to start them early. <laughs> there we are. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more in depth about. Uh, I guess the whole world then, since, I mean, we could talk specifically about We Ride the Storm, but since all of your books are set in the same world, will you describe the world a little bit? 
Um, well, it's it's a very varied world because it's quite large. So uh, the the portion uh, that most people have uh, read and understand being sort of Kesia and its and its surrounds is really only kind of the the south eastern corner of of a much larger uh, continent. Um, and it's it's quite isolated down there because uh, not only are they in the southeastern corner, but they also have the the range of mountains um, that separates them from uh, uh, you know everything to the west of them. Um, and, and so they they don't really uh, they don't really trade as much with anybody, but anybody sort of up and down the coast that they're on. So you don't really get a sense of the larger world uh, from from them. But it is it is quite a, a big. A big world that is very varied in uh, cultures and and different locations and places, which I, I did deliberately to make sure that I could continue to tell lots of interesting stories that suited different locations. Uh, so you know, I, I have a very uh, 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 I, and I don't like to kind of keep my cultures very entirely uh, uh, you know you know set to to ones that we fully recognized. So while Kisio is very, uh, you know, Asian influenced, it's not very precisely anything. It's a bit of a mishmash. And that's the way I like to kind of just pull things together. So while I would describe the, uh, the, the other location that I've been writing as being Moorish, it's, it's kind of a bit Moorish. It's kind of a bit more Spanish. It's, it's kind of a bit whatever the hell I like at any moment. Um, and it's on the on the other coast, and uh, they all do come together in later books that maybe I have already written. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I don't know. I think I think in the the world itself is is uh, you know it's it's uh, just a mishmash of all the stuff that I love at any given moment, which is the way I like to write. But um, I think the the thing that holds it together is the um, the soul science, you know, the, the magic system um, that is throughout the world uh, the same everywhere. There isn't, um, there, there's, there's kind of variations on locations based on uh, the uh, likelihood of, of different um, aberrations coming up in the population, uh, but otherwise it's, it's pretty much the same the world over, which allows them to have uh, a sense of it being a united place. Mm-hmm. So, so and yeah. the only book that I've read in this world is We Ride the Storm, and it was very low magic. Are the other books, um, do they have more magic, or are they about the same? No, they're all uh, relatively low magic. Look, uh, the Vengeance Trilogy has a set of empaths, um, and they have more of a... It, it, it's never really magic, the, the the soul system is like um, the concept is that uh, the souls are all reborn, so reincarnation is real for them. It is uh, every soul is reborn seven times, and that's your normal the normal sort of lifespan of a soul is is seven reincarnations, and it, it grows with wisdom each time. You don't remember them; they just are. But you could kind of pinpoint people along the scale depending on, you know, you've probably met people you think of as old souls or simple people, you know, and you can put them as ones and sevens. And that's supposed to be where it ends. But um, there is uh, anomalies in the system and people come back for eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. And every time that happens, it decreases in or it increases in rarity and they come back with different abilities. And that's where the magic comes from. So, for example, Cassandra 
in um, We Ride the Storm. Uh, she is actually uh, an aberrant that is two souls born into one body by accident. Oh, okay. And the opposite is also possible. You can also get people who are, um, are one soul born into two bodies. So there is, and so the magic comes from the fact that something that should have just been straightforward and normal went kind of wrong and, and, and means that they are different. And it's the actual science of it um, is, is still unknown at the stage at which you're reading, but it becomes, as the, as the history of the world progresses, um, it becomes more and more understood and documented and, and tested and, and to the point where people can understand and manipulate it. And that's not going to be a good thing for the world. It's going to be kind of a bad thing for the world, but it'll oh. be exciting to read about. Awesome. Well, that makes a ton of sense, especially for, as we you mentioned, the Cassandra character, who yep. um, she was my favorite of the three until the end of the book. And then I still really enjoyed her. But I think at that point, Miko her character just really takes off. And I think that in the future books, she'll probably be my favorite of the three characters. Yeah. Everybody, everybody loves it's It's that scene, isn't it? We're just going to call it that scene so that we don't have yes, spoilers. Spoiler. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody's just like, you know, that scene. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Miko in that scene. Yeah. Well, Cassandra in, in the second book, um, you do get to learn a lot more about uh, what makes Cassandra, Cassandra and, and, and the kind of testing the limitations of her, uh, we'll call it an ability. It's, okay. I don't know what else to call it. A strange thing that she does. Yeah. And I, um, I would just like to say that right off the bat that I, I certainly will be reading the, uh, the second book in the series because I enjoyed uh, all of the characters. Um, you're, you have a character who, uh, the captain, I know his, his name is Rob, but I, I had a hard time remembering yeah. him as anything but just the captain. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, I think that, that my, my only thing with him is, is that I just don't like the, the, I don't know, maybe I call myself like a pragmatist as a, of my, my personal outlook and his, uh, his incredible integrity when it even, when it hurts him in some cases, I'm just like, oh, I would have just like, like to take a gauntlet and slapped him across the face and been like, come on, man, you have a hundred <laughs> people who are relying on you and you're going to get them killed because of your honor. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so, it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting spot. <laughs> sorry sorry i had to go on a rant right there that's just it's my uh no no <laughs> as a uh, i would have been right there with gideon if it had been me i'm just gonna say right now he wouldn't have had to keep things hidden from me <laughs> yeah yeah and and i think that that's that's a perfectly uh a legitimate kind of response to raw because he is a bit of an odd you know i think you either uh really admire that um in him or you just like Oh, just just throw up your hands. Now I'm out. Um, and that, I think that's the interest in writing a character like that is like clearly he can't stay like that for four books. So just watch me break him, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy watching him be broken. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how did you go about deciding on the uh, the point of views um, that you wrote as far as like the the breakdown? You have uh, an empress, or I guess you know uh, um, a member of the royal family. You have this the captain of an exiled, uh, basically like nomadic horse tribe, 
and then a uh, prostitute assassin. Yep. <laughs> well, I think it was, I needed to have somebody from each of the three cultures who was there because they what they bring in their culture um, would, would alter the way they see the conflict. So I thought, well, for the maximum amount of interest and understanding of the conflict that's happening, I need to have one person from each side, as you like. So um, there was that. I think uh, Miko was a partly a thing because uh, her mother, Hana, is one of the point of views in the Vengeance trilogy. So it was it, that one was about a continuing um, a lineage and and having having a character who decided that she not grow up to be her mother really is, is, is her thing. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, for, uh, I, like, I don't, I don't really plan things I have to say. So I came full as like, I, I needed to have, um, the, the horseman and it made sense that he would be the captain. And that was about as far as I thought about it. And then there <laughs> he was on the page. So there you um, are. Um, so then the vengeance trilogy, you mentioned it was 16 years uh, prior. So, is it do, do we um, get to see a little more of that backstory of the of between like Kin and the the is it Sa'ai? Is that how you how you would pronounce that his family line and the Otakos? Uh, yeah, it's Sa'ai. Yeah. Okay, Kin and Sa'ai. so it, um, yeah, so that 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 does follow them. So uh, he is the usurper emperor at the beginning, and and Hana uh, is is part of the 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 exiled otakus trying to get her thrown back essentially is uh her part of the vengeance trilogy so it's it's uh she's about the same age as miko is um but quite a different character i think um if just from life experience i would say awesome yeah you know what i i'm gonna have to go back and read the vengeance trilogy then because i yeah it's kind of funny i know how um it, you know, it definitely can, this can be a standalone novel, but I have learned a ton about the series just from this interview with things that I don't think I ever would have <laughs> known. It's kind of, it's funny, it's like Rob Hayes with the, the one last year's, his um, Ties That Bind, um, the duology, it was a series that, uh, that I, now that I've read some more of the books in that world, I'm like, man, I, I know that that's a good standalone, but I should have read some of the earlier books before just to get some of the lore on things. So I think that I would definitely recommend for people to um, to read more of the the books in the world. Then, if if it helps, you know, so much with the with some of this lore that I just didn't see, you know, when I read through it with just reading We Ride the Storm. Yeah. So, like, I, I do like that um, that they each you can come in and read the first book at any point, but there is definitely always going to be uh, extra benefit in reading. Um, I guess chronologically makes sense, but then also possibly just in the order that I wrote them also makes sense. But I always really hate telling people to go back and and, uh, <laughs> and, and read The Blood of Whisperers because it was, uh, that was not the first book I ever published and it was like four years ago. And and I look at it now and I go, okay, it's still, you know, I, I still love it. It's my baby, but my writing ability has increased four years since then so whenever i go back and say oh go back and read that one or don't re read that one first i'm like please don't read that one first because it's not as good as this one <laughs> so i always really struggle with that and I'm, i i imagine that's a thing that all authors have that's like you know their first trilogy is, is 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 a thing it's special um but when it's important to the world it's like well people kind of have to read it now and i'm like oh okay good all right yeah <laughs> 
um, when you mentioned earlier that, that you're a little bit sparse uh, writing style and not being too flower. I really found your writing style to be so easy to follow. Um, I never really felt like I needed to read a sentence twice or a, or like a page twice to to get the meaning out of it. And and I think that's something that I really appreciated as I was reading it. There are times when people just throw in so much description that is unnecessary that I I just uh, um. The, it'll bog me down and get take me out of the story. But the way that you did write really made the story shine and the what the characters were doing of the utmost importance instead of describing, you know, a flowery room or something like that. Yeah, I think it, it's partly because I am not a visual reader. So, you know, when people talk about they read book and they see it like a movie in their heads, oh, yeah, that's me. I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see it at all. So uh, I, I could if I worked really hard, but like why concentrate super hard when you're trying to just enjoy a story? So I, I just tend not to. Um, uh, so I, yeah, I, I don't see it. So everything for me is constructed by the meaning of the words. And so I'm never trying to get my readers to see exactly what I see in my head. I'm trying because I don't see anything in my head. I don't know what my characters look like. I've got no idea. Um, I'm I'm merely trying to uh, transcribe, like you know, tell us the the story as I understand it. So I am coming from a place of I understand it in words, and so I am giving it to you in words um, because I don't have a visual to work from. You know, and I think that makes it a bit easier for me not to get stuck in description like a lot of uh, authors can do. Um, and, and like sometimes description is lovely and I can't do it. <laughs> Everybody has a different way of, of liking their books. Um, but yeah, I, I, I actually just can't. So when there are large passages of description, I do sometimes find myself uh, skipping over it because I can't form the picture. So the picture that they're trying to draw for me is just not going to happen. It's funny because, you know, um, the way that you write, though, for, I'm, my wife, oh, she gets so irritated at me when I'm when I'm like, you know, I was really in the move in my mind for like hours with this novel. Um, she gets <laughs> hates me saying that. But um, the little bit more of a sparse writing style, like what you what you do, actually works better for me. It enables me to imagine the characters how I want them to, you know, want to imagine them without having to take the time to think about every specific detail that that an author writes. Like Mark Lawrence is a, a good example of it. he writes a lot the same way that you do in terms of a little bit more sparse. And I feel like I'm able to just, the same way that I did with your book, stay in that movie in my mind because there isn't a lot of extra unnecessary description and it allows me to imagine it and picture it in my mind. And it's funny that, that you don't do that at all as you're writing and that's the reason you write the way you do. But, if, that, but that style helps me to stay in that movie in my mind. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the words themselves being, obviously, the language in which we're telling the story and... and uh, having just that and and I'm not inserting my vision on your vision, I think maybe that lack of competition helps. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, you know, <laughs> spitballing here. Yeah. I do like to always ask, or any of the authors that I have on, 
what your publishing experience has been like. I think one thing that we do with this podcast is we try to be, I mean, if anything, we go maybe 60, 40 indie authors. And it, so it's something that always interests me. Um, how, what route you've taken? Did you go self-published right off the bat or, or what did you do? Um, yeah, I've, I've always been self-published. Um, that was a decision that I made five years ago, whatever it was, um, because I wanted to uh, have more control over what I was doing. Um, I wanted to be able to pick the people that I worked with and my own schedule. I'm not really good at um, taking instructions from people and being told what to do. So that that seemed like a, uh, a, a, wise, a wise course for me. And also I wanted to learn about um, book production in, in all of its entirety as well. So it was like, okay, well, the best way to do that is to be the person who is contacting the cover artists and the editors and doing all that stuff. And it was really daunting, but I'm very glad that I did because once you have a team that you work with, um, it's really easy to just go back and, 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 you know, keep working with the same wonderful people if you're lucky enough to have wonderful people like I am. Um, so, yeah, always being self-published. Um it's something that I would consider going uh, hybrid uh, in the future, but because I write all in the one world, I, I think that might be quite difficult in terms of uh, things like non-compete clauses and, and stuff like that. So I haven't really been, like I, I've been generally kind of querying a little bit, but mostly just sticking to my own thing because I write uh, more than one novel a year and want to produce uh, my web serial, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and because, yeah, it, it, it all kind of, it's, it's too complicated. <laughs> so I have no really solid plans on, on moving um, in or attempting to move into a traditional uh, publishing model. I would always want to have my own stuff. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what a lot of authors that I, especially the ones that, that put out a lot of material, um, I think that the... Uh, the traditional publishing model, especially like the 18 month cycle can be stifling for some people. Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I'm not really sure that I, I could do that. I would end up at the end of the, the, the contract period having like here eight books, bam, before I have to start a new contract <laughs> because they were just the ones that I wrote while I was sitting there. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, and and uh, having having that freedom to be able to uh, uh, to to put them out as as regularly or or unregularly or whenever you like, whatever works for you in terms of everything is is really really uh, like I I would definitely struggle to to give that up. Do you like to do the social media and self promotion? Um, I didn't when I first started, and I think that's just because when you first start, you are absolutely nobody and nobody cares and that is uh, perfectly natural and and understandable because you know uh and i and i think it, it takes quite a lot of getting used to i'm i'm definitely uh an introvert i don't I, I like to stay at home i'm a hermit but i really enjoy being part of a community that um that gets gets you and that you get them you know the, the, the essentially the nerd community like we all are just we just love things to bits it doesn't matter whether we all love the same thing we just love things to bits <laughs> and want to talk about it and and i i love that so much that um you know it's taken me a few years uh, since i started to get over my uh, my shyness my doubt 
uh, about doing things like even talking on this podcast, writing a tweet, doing whatever, being myself, and that being myself was was an okay to, thing to be. Um, and and having had in the last year or so some some great feedback on me just 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 being myself and doing my thing, I feel a bit better about it now. Um, and so yeah, the self promotiony thing, I just think it takes practice. It is difficult. Um, it, it's it's a practice. It's building a community around yourself and and very slowly kind of just gaining traction with with people who love your work. Um, and and it it's great once you do that. But it was pretty awful in the beginning, definitely. <laughs> now, how has your experience with Spiffbo been? Spiffbo was always so exciting. I was in um, I was actually in last year's with um, Blood of Whisperers, uh, and and was knocked out in the uh, the Great Porno Kitsch Cull um, <laughs> in like the first. I don't know, however many weeks that was. Um, and so my experience of uh, last year's Spiffbo was very much like, oh, okay, it's over. And then I sat and just thoroughly enjoyed watching everything play out. And it was so exciting uh, as, as uh, reviews come and everything. And it was, it was really, really fun and enjoyable just sitting on the sidelines and not having to stress about it. I think that was really nice. And it gave me that, that having had that experience, this time I've been very much, uh, okay, there's my book done okay I'm just I'm gonna not I'm not gonna stress about this because I've got so many other things that I need to be doing right now um so that was that was my thing from the beginning I was always been fast like really interested in going in and reading the reviews as they come through uh, of other books because I might discover something I really want to read um and that's been great so far uh and just the enthusiasm of of the whole community around it is always just wonderful um, but I never had any particular expectation, especially having had the experience the year before. Uh, I was just like, oh, nothing's going to happen. I'm never going to go anywhere with this. It's fine. Um, so it was it was quite a, a lovely surprise um, to be put forward as a semifinalist. Um, and especially so randomly, you know, I, it, it, my book was uh, assigned to BookNest. And, uh, you know, they had a system and I was expecting it all just to go the way it was going. And uh, eventually they would get down to reviewing my book and announce the, the semifinalists at the end of their thing. And then suddenly I wake up one morning and I'm a semifinalist. And I'm like, what? What happened? <laughs> so that was really, that that was a really exciting experience. And, and it's like, I, I'm happy if that's my highlight. You know, <laughs> that, that's good. Yeah, well, that is, I know it was a little bit unusual, for sure, the way that they just put you through. But I guess yeah. enough people I, I mean, enjoyed the novel, it's, you know, within, and it wasn't just the judges from BookNest, it was uh, several judges from other sites as well. Yeah, and, and I, I think that might have just been a general kind of uh, community hype thing. I always, I'm always scared when things get hyped because I was like, oh, gosh, the next person who's going to read it is going to expect something completely different and absolutely hate it. Oh, God, please stop talking about my book. Um, uh, but And they were all people that I had contacted uh, pre prior to Spiffo happening. And so it kind of felt really weird when the reviews started coming out and, and they were Spiffo judges. But um, it wasn't for Spiffo. I was like, okay, yeah. This is this is a little bit odd, but let's just keep rolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, um, what are some places? I always try to make sure I get everything in one spot. Where are some places that you like to be contacted on social media? Uh, well, website is best for information. That's where I put all of my my books and everything. I have um, 
a uh, progress set of progress bars there on what I'm currently working on um, as well, which is kind of fun. Uh, and and any of my uh, short fiction and um, stuff like that. So um, for social media, Twitter is always the best. Uh, I, I hang around Twitter quite a bit. Um, so uh, sending me uh, messages there is always going to be easy peasy. Uh, Facebook groups, you know, I hang around with the, the uh, Grimdark Fiction Group and the Fantasy Faction Group and things like that. So I'm always kind of floating around. But uh, website is always best for just general uh, information. I try to keep it as updated as possible. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast tonight. Especially, it was some pretty short notice with the uh, with the way things have been a little bit crazy on my end. So, thank you for being able to come on so quickly. No, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, hey, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. I am going to yeah. go to bed now. <laughs> Oh, what time is it for you? Uh, it's only nine, but I am I, I get up <laughs> I get up for work on a normal morning at like four thirty. So even on the weekends, oh, I go to bed at like you know I, I go to bed around like nine ten at the latest. Ten's being pretty crazy late for me. Oh wow! Okay, yep, you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you once again for coming on, and uh, good luck in the competition. Oh, thank you so much. 